You have to know who you are, then you will survive somewhere else. Welcome to the 301 Podcast, the interview podcast for the hottest up-and-coming entrepreneurs, artists, and creators. Real, authentic, and inspiring. And here is your host, Marcus Engel. Let's get it started in 301. Welcome back to the 301 Podcast. Today we talk to Naomi Marai. Naomi is a fashion designer. And during the episode, I had to learn that it's not just about the fabrics and the creativeness of Naomi, but there's much more that goes into her fashion collections. This interview needed no warm-up phase. From the beginning, we had a very direct, open and honest conversation. We talked about her way to become a designer, how she expresses herself with her collections, and what motivates and drives her and always keeps going. And little spoiler alert, just when I thought we rounded off the episode, We took a big leap into her creative process and what happens when she turns into Aimoan mode. So if you want to know what that is, you have to listen until the end. But without further ado, let's get into it in 301. Naomi, welcome to the 301 podcast. Hi, thank you for the invitation. Very nice that you're here. And um, I'm, I mean, it's uh, been such a long time. Yeah, and last time we met, uh, we watched uh, football together. So that's also was the reason why I didn't talk too much because then I'm too focused on on watching football. Yes. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I'm very excited uh, that that you're here today because I think um, yeah I followed you obviously after after we met on Instagram and I saw that you yeah that you're crushing it right now very much in your life and uh, you're a fashion designer now um, officially graduated this year I think. Yes, right in February. That's uh, very nice. And um, but before I introduce yourself to to the people, maybe I want to give you the chance to introduce yourself, to tell you who you are and what you do. All right. Okay. Good. So as you already said, um, I'm a graduated fashion designer. I recently graduated in February before all the uh, lockdown because current Corona happened, and I was one of the best awarded ones, like me and my friend. And yeah. Fashion is very, very personal for me because I somehow like connect like my life experiences together with my fashion and try to tell a story with it. And it's like my uh, way to communicate with people. And yes, yeah, so it's like, you know, telling stories of my life in a visual artsy way and the way like I think and I connect things and it's somehow easier. And for many people also like to adapt or accept the topic or the issue or the whatever it is about. So, yeah. <laughs> I think we will go much more into detail about uh, um, your your view on fashion. But if we go, uh, if, we, if we back up a couple of years and, and um, think more of your childhood or of your youth, um, how was it um, growing up at uh, Casa Marai? Um, Casa Marai. <laughs> or very very um it was not boring i wouldn't say exciting like like many things like happened like we didn't have like a regular life so i was born in germany munich and yeah, not munich, in dachau and my parents both of them they flew like from eritrea because of the in war with uh between Ethiopia and eritrea and so my parents always had the goal to go back to Eritrea. So they got married here. They, uh, you know, then they had me and my brother, but they always wanted to go back. So they didn't have the goal to stay in Germany. So in my early childhood, I moved a lot 
and from Germany to Asmara, well, Asmara is the capital of Eritrea, then back to Germany, again in a new neighborhood, so it was a lot of moving, and meeting new people, somehow like, um, in my early childhood, I had to learn to integrate in my society. It's not just about a state or a country you live, it's just about the society. Then you start, and I early started watching people Mm. The way they behave, they talk, they dress. So it's like everything comes together, the culture, the behavior of men and women. And then you start, you know, to understand your environment. So that was something what, due to all this moving, I learned. So that's like something what my parents somehow taught me. That wherever you go, it's different. You have, you know, different people surround you at different society rules um standards whatever it is and you somehow have to grow in and to mm. get to understand so that was something you know that was i was taught like very very early so i wouldn't say that i had difficulties so we moved a lot but it was not something that i would say like oh my god it was like it was bad for me because i'm somehow you know it impacted me in a bad way it I really, really gained a lot from this. Never had difficulties to integrate myself in a society. Like, not really, because I knew who I am and where I was coming from. Like, that's something what my parents always, like, taught me. That they always taught me, like, you have to know who you are to survive, like, somewhere else. Like, wherever mm. you go. And, you know, I didn't have, like, difficulties in Germany. Not, I didn't have, like, this perception. Like, wherever I go in Germany, it was like... Oh, like when people ask me, oh, where are you from? Or oh, your parents? Or oh, what do you do? And in every trace, like it's almost the same. Like for me, I was, it's funny, but in Asmara, I was like the German girl. Yeah. And I went there to school, so I was the German girl. And here I was like the German girl, but my parents are like four anus. So it's funny, <laughs> like wherever you go, you, you are a stranger because of your life experience. But it, for me personally, it was not a bad thing. It was just something like then you somehow try to understand like why the people's saying all the things to you in a bad or good way, whatever it is. But then you get like a better understanding and you get like a wider and open, more open-minded point of view. So that was like, I think one of my most memorable experiences I made. And that's something what actually helped me in my or influence my fashion design or the way I think because I um, like through all this moving, changing schools, neighborhoods, make, meeting like so many people. It took me a really long, long time to figure out what I want to do in life or how to communicate or tell or how to explain someone my point of view because I know it's complicated or not understandable for everyone. Like my two last collections basically were based on all my, like everything of my childhood. So, and yeah, feel like I remember when I started, I always wanted to do fashion design and my parents always told me, no, don't do that. Don't do that. You're not going to get a job and whatever. Why don't you study business or law or something like that? Well, I did study politics before, but it was for me not a way to communicate or to reach people to open their mind. I feel like there are other ways and better ways and uh, easier ones to understand. 
And when did it start for you that you figured out, uh, okay, now I'm really invested in fashion? Was it already like when you were like a like a child or when did it start for you? Yeah, well, um, as a child, like I really like to understand where I am, like at which place. I always watched people. So when I'm in Germany, I recognized that I was in Germany because I just looked at the people, what they were wearing, how they behave in clothes. So you have this, you know, like wherever you go, people behave differently in clothes. So you have you in Germany and then um, you have a really strong feminism movement. As so you had that and you have all this woman with a strong feminism mindset, but it's a different one in a different state. So here, for example, it's just like, you know, just a simple example. You know, you have a woman wearing like a mini skirt and they're like so confident in that. And that's for them an expression of feminism. Mm. Like, there's diff There are many ways and different ways, but that's like the easiest one to picture. So, and that's like a European standard. So like everything has a history, a connection uh, and the society and then the behavior, like and everything is connected in fashion. Like fashion is something where social um, standards can be somewhat described or visually shown. So when you go somewhere else, let's take like an extreme, uh, let's take something. Uh, if you go, for example, to Eritrea, and then you have also like in the capital, you have all this modern women. They also wear like, You know, short skirts, dresses, mostly dresses, trousers, pants. But when you go like, outside of the capital, all women wear like dresses. But, or they like somehow covered. And then many people would probably here, especially in Europe, would probably say, oh, uh, they cover, they don't have any rights or something. Like, you know, you have this picture of a woman who is like so suppressed. Yeah. But on the other hand, like, you know, I don't know if one of my friends or people who know me would call me like suppressed because like that's like that's a cultural thing covering up you know your arm or your head but that's something that's happening like outside of a city and then you have this woman even though she's like a strong individual person and you know has her rights but she does dresses differently but it does not really impact like her behavior so people picture things always like you know in so small boxes And then the people like inside without even, you know, try to give it like a chance to look at it longer or to watch this woman or to watch her behavior, how she moves, how she does things, how she talks, you know, like everything goes together. And that's for me, watching people, cities, environments help me to understand where I am and how the people are in this place. Mm -hmm. And and can you still pinpoint a little bit like the the day or like the period that you said like okay this is really something that I like I really want to express myself with fashion. Yeah, it's. Uh, I remember like my first collection like from last summer, like 2019. That was like the first time when I started realized how I connect or wanted to put together all the all my thoughts or mindset in one story. So. When I started, I did a collection about my mom and I called my collection Der Feigenbaum meiner Mutter. I think in English, is it the fig tree of my mom? 
with my mom's fig tree and it has a really fun story behind so i gave it a german name and this title starts telling like a whole story so when i say the sentence like the fig, my mom's fig tree you would probably imagine i don't know because like a fig is like such an exotic uh, fruit you know it's like from the mediterranean area you would probably imagine like an italian girl or something like mediterranean like you would not expect me telling this kind of story about my mom so like it makes it kind of lo- kind of like paradox but for example like when i started to focus on this fig tree and the story about my mom and her childhood and about my grandpa the main goal was just like to tell a story of one family of three women of but you know out of three different generations and throughout different places but it's still like one story but mm-hmm. somehow like the way my my grandma grew up and lived the way my mom grew up and lived and me so like you know you have your own complete storyline so whenever we have this mindset of people or other cultures or groups of people like you know we always like put them like in a box without even thinking about our image what what we give like people or in what kind of box we put them in and then this was like to and that collection was about to tell like a story about a really like it was about my mom but i remember my feedback when i talked to my lecturers when i showed them all the pictures what i want to do to combine like you know italian classic fashion with my tr- traditional clothes and then like because in eritrea there was like italian colonialism and so much of it is still there and my mom went to a italian school she speaks like italian like fluently like totally and her mindset is so different to my grandma and like you know i start comparing like all these crazy things and then my life to her life to my grandmother life i try to put it together and I remember my lecture looked at me just like you crazy like things like this does not exist i looked at him i said they do because like it's part of my life and so and then you somehow like when you start putting like so many so many things together and for me it's normal because it's part of me but other people were like no it doesn't make sense or it doesn't exist or actually like putting everything together what should somehow not be put together but um to enable somehow like a open or bigger mindset for yeah, and draw draw a bigger picture than in the end yes yeah so that was like the first time when i got in touch with my um with my mind like creative mind so somehow and putting like all the things together in some way helped me to understand myself better mm-hmm. my mom and my grandma but did it start already before that because in 2015 i think you started studying international relations if it's yeah called. true yeah. yeah and was there already like some indication like in 2015 that you say oh i like designing myself at home or i like drawing or like um, being creative in in one or other way or because I think 2015 you started studying international relations and 2016 you also started at the design academy, right? Yeah, true, true. Um, so, so how, what happened in that year that that you decided to do? Uh, yeah, crazy. Uh, yeah, I always wanted to do fashion, and my parents were like, "No, you're not gonna do this." 
And then I said, okay, I'm gonna look for something where somehow can play or like study something where I can have like a cultural discussion or help probably understand like me or different things or to get like better or different mindsets. So like to study something where I can like learn about me Mm-hmm. others like more but politics like in international relations they have so much politics and many people in my course like unfortunately they like super super like close-minded like I believed in the beginning when I studied politics maybe it was also like the wrong school I don't know but yeah I started the school I realized I was very very unhappy because I didn't really gain something out of it and then um I had I think cultural studies and something and then um, we had to write like an essay it was super complicated but I wrote about the fashion industry and then there was this um the thing in Bangladesh where this uh, huge manufacturing house crashed and then um I think people blame their own government and then i think in europe this big discussion started why those like international political organizations do not do something about against fast fashion mm. so, like how can you you know how can you support human rights but on the other hand in a democratic system so but and and i wrote an essay about the Uh, fashion industry and then I somehow looked up on in the university homepages and then this desire came up to study fashion again because like it was so the thing what I wanted to write down was so complex and I couldn't put it on paper and then I realized I'm bad at writing (laughs) so I cannot become a politician or something (laughs) because it doesn't make like everything in my head I could not put it had I couldn't put it on a paper so I looked up like fashion as a design universities and then this desire came up to study fashion design and then exactly like in that moment while I was writing my paper I applied for the design school and was accepted and I just stopped studying <laughs> but you still did you still finish international relations here right no, I didn't I just stopped there <laughs> okay a year yeah maybe we, we talk about something else because I have a have an interesting thought later about that because it's a very interesting uh, development actually. Okay. And um so you started at um so how do you how do you manage like to stay uh, inspired and creative when when you design? Because I think that's very interesting also to to get a little bit uh, pick your brain uh, how you approach uh, like a collection. Mm, sometimes there are like things or I ask myself like questions. So I cannot, I, it's that somehow sad because I cannot stay creative all the time. I cannot, I'm not a trained creative person. So it's everything super spontaneous in the beginning. So I catch up with like a topic or something what, um, for example, when I start doing like, this is Eritrea, there was, um, I had a conversation with a man and he was from Syria and this guy inspired, for example, my whole collection. But the, um, the main question of it was, um, like who, like I asked myself, like, how would you, like, how would I identify like a cultural identity? And that's mm. how it starts. So it's like small things happen in my life 
and then I somehow like pick all the things up and then I figure out how this what it makes with me like how if I am interested in this topic or not or what I want to tell about it so it's just it happens like during like my days so I get inspired by many things mostly by people and by story and my goal is always to break I like someone who's like close-minded but not on a verbal way or aggressive way or it's it's difficult it's just on a on a different way on a way where you can put more things together so if you had like an issue like a social cultural issue in your society whatever it's like now like this big black lives matter like happens you know like George Floyd died and the whole you know was killed but the whole world they went out and they you know they speak out for his um they stand out for his rights and then but on the other hand you have people who misinterpret this movement mm. and you have this with all topics like whatever you trying to talk on politics or society or yet you have always this misunderstanding by others and then my goal was like to understand the misunderstanding to make it more understanding for those who do who do not want to understand this topic. So to break through this wall. So I I believe like people can talk about everything, but they do not agree or understand each other. And I think that's all the one of the reasons why people cannot really connect or um yeah move on from, from things. And I believe if you like lived forever like in one place and never had the chance to be somewhere else to live somewhere else to grow in somewhere else in a different culture with different people or to be like you know to have this chance to some just to try to understand the place where you are and be a part of it or you know because you have to understand yourself then you have a belief then you get like pretty quick like close-minded or yeah, so that's like something, I think that's the thing what motivates me to change people's mind, but throughout fashion. So it's easier to put these questions together and then somehow create out create something because for people it's easier to accept it. Mm. So if I would probably just write a paper and call it This is Eritrea, like with no pictures, with no moves, with no colors, with like nothing, it would not have the same impact than in a collection. Yeah, if we if we talk about uh, this is Eritrea, um, maybe you can also take us along a little bit in in your uh, thought process because you said you had a conversation with a with a man that kind of inspired that collection. Can you maybe take yeah. us take us there as well? Sure. Um, I helped a friend out at a project, and then we worked together with uh, people who just came to Germany, who just flew from their home country, and one of these people were uh, he he was a guy from Syria, and we had a conversation. And he came to Germany, I think, like two years, now three years ago. And then he asked me, like, where my parents are from or where I was from and if I was born here. And then I told him, yeah, my parents are from Eritrea. I was born and raised in Germany. But I was so interested in his life. So I asked him, like, where are you from? And he told me I'm from Syria. And then he started talking about his life in Syria, so what he remembered. And then I wanted to know like the place where he was from. So I asked him like, what's the name of the city or place, 
through whatever it is. And then I just wanted to know more to picture like his homeland. And then he stopped for a very long, I think like quite like 30 seconds. And then he told me um, it doesn't matter because it doesn't exist anymore. And this, and this was so hard. And I don't know, like I, you know, I was so shocked because what you gonna tell this man? Like you cannot tell him, oh, everything's gonna be all right. Mm. You exactly know nothing gonna be all right. So it, it is how it is. And he has to continue his life somewhere else. And everything what somehow like keeps his soul or him alive is just his memories. He can never go back again to the place where he was coming from. And this conversation inspired like my last collection because like as I said, my parents flew from the war because because of the fight between Ethiopia and Eritrea. And many, many people still believe that Eritrea is a part of Ethiopia or used to be a part of it, which is not the truth. That's something like it's been told like wrong the story. And the it was a 30 years war. Like Eritrea fought for their independence and when I asked like my parents, my parents told me like, don't do this topic. Just don't do it. It doesn't make sense. And politics is just like, you know, a fucked up thing. Just, just don't do it. But I was somehow so interested because I found out during this process that my parents, because they experienced the war because they knew and they came to Europe. And when they tried to get like this paper, get through this paper process, when they were asked, where are you from? My parents said Eritrea. And then, like, imagine people at the uh, department, you know, cross out Eritrea and tell you, no, you're Ethiopian, but you're not. And then I think that that's a kind of feeling of, you know, being nearly or being extinguished. But somehow Eritrea won this independence fight and then you somehow survived. And this collection was about this independence fight. And also about the healing process, what my parents, my aunts, like all the people experienced after this. And this is Eritrea's like such an important statement because um, my parents are lucky that they can go back. I mean, like the situation in Eritrea is not good, but I'm not going to tell about the situation now, about the politics. It's just about the feeling to know that you can go back to your homeland. Mm. I just tried to try to catch this feeling and something to create a statement and support this because I was I was born in Germany. I was I would say I am German because I was born here. I you know lived here. I was I went here to school. Like everything is here. Like everything what I experienced in life, mm. like in Eritrea too. But it influenced me. It does. But everything mm. what I do, it's you know it was taught. I grew up like in this society, but um, my parents, they do live here, they survive, but their heart or soul is somewhere else. And they yeah. like that they can go back to this place and um, this healing process or this pain, what they might had felt or this fear of being, you know, nearly like extinguished is like a really, really painful feeling so that was something what i wanted to give a statement and the respect for it and you know just you can also adapt it like to everyone and it's just a 
mindset opener also like I remember when I started this topic back my lecture like you cannot do a collection about war it's not you cannot do this and war is something like you know something so ugly and so bad and but for my parents for example has a beautiful meaning because it secured them a home mm. and home is part of your cultural identity for everyone from every everywhere and it's so imp important to uh, see that maybe from from a different angle it's not about like politics and religion or you know it's just like it's so much more behind it because like imagine like Bavaria, i don't know like if bavaria becomes italy like it would be so strange what would the people like say from bavaria like it's you know it turns your life upside down and you have no chance to go back it's it's a really really painful yeah yeah or even stronger i think um, if you If you look at all the uh, immigration crises that we have uh, around the world, that um, even the Germans, uh, there are only a couple of immigrants coming to coming to the country, and they already have the feeling of, hey, we are losing our culture. The the people they bring in like their own culture, and then it's uh, only like such a small part of of Germany or of of people that come to Germany. And the German people already feel offended uh, by by that. Yeah, and how you describe it, uh, if you're if your whole country is basically in a, in a crisis and might lose the the culture, yeah. uh, how how painful that that must feel. Yeah, and like fear, also like the feeling of fear. I actually I realized that like at the end of my collection because I at the beginning I wanted to give it a statement and you know a place to be named. Just it was so important for me. But at the end, I realized how important it really became because it was at the end about more about feeling and uh, healing and growing together, stick together, fighting for a good thing. And that's something like, and then, you know, being lucky to win. And that's something like not everyone has the chance. And that's like, And then at the end, I realized how important this topic really, really was because I think both of my parents somehow cried. But in the beginning, they were not amused about it. They were like, no, leave it. It's, it's just an ugly thing. And it is how it is, whatever. And then my mom, it's like emotion, like so touched because I think both of them didn't realize what they really went through life mm. and uh, what life actually also like taught them. And yeah, and this can go like to everyone. And did you feel more, more pressure then when you designed that, that collection to to make it right for your for your parents and for your grandparents and for more like your your heritage <laughs> was that a yeah. that part as well yeah it was really really hard because to find the right story the right one and um it was important not to do any mistakes and to treat it with a lot of respect like i treated this collection with a lot of respect because it was it was a story of a whole nation And it was not about just, you know, oh, it is how it is, or just being like one-sided. It was so important to hear every side and to gain an understanding for every mindset or read books. I do not support like everything they do, but like to really get this feeling and it was really a lot. Mm. So I learned a lot and um, yeah, I called my collection, This is Eritrea. And I was afraid that this might come off like super aggressive because I adapted this name from the song 
This is America. <laughs> this song, you know, Gambino, yeah. yeah. And this beat actually inspired like the whole collection, but it's somehow like aggressive. It had it has this aggressive background, like for me. And it was for me so important to give it like a soft touch to make it understandable. Not it was about war or fighting, but I wanted people to understand the background. It was aggressive, but it, it's painful at the same time. It's hurtful. So to get to balance this out and healing process and taking out the beauty of it it was so so crazy and a lot of my lectures told me like girl don't do this because this can go like so left yeah. and it was so so hard and then yeah somehow and then i gave it like a like a uh, another title so i call it like this is eritrea has taken her her rightful place and this is a um a part of it of the of the national anthem has taken her rightful place mm -hmm. and this gave it like it softened up like everything and i remember during this war and i listened to eritrean music and that's something what i don't do because i actually i just listen to hip-hop and i remember during this war um all the warriors they sang about the eritrea as a, as it was a woman okay so all the songs it was so beautiful they said uh Oh, my love, I know I'm going now, but I will be back and then we will be in a better place. Wow, that's beautiful. Yeah, and this song, like, and then they treated Erisha, like, as a wife. That's also, like, the reason why I did, like, a collection for only for women because so many women fought in this, uh, during this war also. So it was a 50-50. It was not just a man thing. It was, like, everyone fought for this. And then I remember when I was in Eritrea, the church... In the mosque, they're not far away from each other. And I remember people going like to this place and they just split up. They go to their church or to the mosque and then they go up, greet each other and they go home. So I have this picture in my head how peacefully people were interacting together. Hmm. And here you have always this discussion about, oh, they're doing their culture, they think it's not okay, whatever it is. But it's like, here's everything so, you know, so... So confrontative and there the people people were so peaceful. So to balance this out, I translated uh, has taken her rightful place because mm -hmm. this anthem is sang in Arabic and in Tigrinya. So Arabic speak like most of the people who are uh, Muslim, they speak Arabic. So I translated this sentence in Arabic and in Tigrinya because in Eritrea like um Everyone speaks Tigrinya. There are many dialects, but uh, the Christians, they read it because of their, in the Bible, everything's in Tigrinya. So, like, I did it in English and Arabic, and that was, for me, like, important to include everyone without giving people or women, in this case, like, um, you know, a uh, stamp of, you know, I, I didn't, I, my goal was not to distinguish that, just to mm. put it together because it's, it belongs there. And they, you know, just at the end, it doesn't matter. So it was so risky to find a way to put this, like, into this collection without offending someone. And, uh, yeah, and then I wanted to focus on uni uniform and, like, how move. it was so, so there were so many steps to take. Maybe that, that's quite interesting because if we go more into, like, a um, creative process, 
how did you manage to incorporate like the the culture of Eritrea into into your cloth? Yes. Oh, where do I start? So in the beginning, I listened to songs, read I read books, I had like interviews to so many many different people to gain an understanding of the war. So for me, this independence fight is something beautiful. I, I'm not saying that war is something beautiful. It's just this fight is something beautiful because it secured a home for the people who suffered from this experience. So in the beginning, I knew, okay, you have to create something beautiful of something super ugly and super painful. And then it was the war played a main role in it. So war for me personally means, okay, war, fighting, camouflage pattern, everything is green, beige, and, um, you know, you have these characteristics for uniforms. And then to, in the beginning, I thought, okay, I might buy like all this camouflage printed fabrics and use this in my collection and my um And my lecturer like, no, you cannot do this. You cannot do this. At the end, people will understand that you want to go to fight. And that was not my goal. I just wanted to take out the beauty of it. Mm. Then it took me so, so long during this process. And then I start focusing on all the nine different ethnic groups, try to put this together, which was super, super hard because... They're individual, but you have to put them together. But you don't know. I didn't want to offend someone. That was super important. But and then I focused on on a flower. Somehow I took it out of a picture. And then when I remember Asmara, I remember the flower Bougainville, and that one grows like all over the city in pink, purple, orange, white, and that's like something. I always remember when I be- remember like my old, old childhood. And then I collected like so many like flower pictures. And then I knew like we have all these different ethnic groups was the thing where I tried to put it together. So I focused on colors, on the flower. I um, I found out some, I did like the all the prints. I did everything by myself, like all the fabric design And I called it, I called them camouflage, so like camouflage to flower, so to, so to create something, a beautiful camouflage uh, pattern, something where it's not aggressive, and spread something beautiful. And I, and then I, the main collection is based on the complete fabric design. So I, I made I think six different pattern designs. I printed everything. I did like all all the patterns are uh, designed by me. So the the flower was the base, the camouflage pattern in general, and then uh, the uniform that people were uh, worn during that war. But you know they were just you know they were wearing a shirt and long pants and that's it. They didn't mm. have any vest or something like nothing of it. And then uh, focused on the colors, on pay colors. Because like pay color is something like, you know, it's just a memory. This war is a memory. It's not the current. It's just, and the flower for me stands for a healing process, for growing, covering. Um, because I remember like this flower grows up 
walls, it covers up damages. And so this was like the thing which connected the whole story together in a more lightened and softer way. So, yeah. So, and then at the end, after, I don't know, it took me so long, like really, I think I had like eight mental breakdowns during the book. <laughs> How long uh, did it take you to design the, the whole collection from start to finish? Well, let's say intense. I think we only had, wait, I started in, when I started October, November, December, three to four months. Hmm. But like really, really intense, I think one month. So I didn't have a lot of time. So I really, I was really, really, I was really under pressure. I really thought I would not make it and finish my collection. I really, I went to my lecture. I told him, you know, I'm going to stop. I'm going to do this next year. And he looked, he looked at me. He's like, no, you're going to finish this. I said, no, I cannot do this. Like, I'm done like mentally. And like to understand, gaining this understanding took so much time and also, like, writing this bachelor thesis, it was so, so hard because I did not want to offend someone. No. On the other hand, I do not want to write, like, a... It was not about my opinion. It was just, like, catching this feeling, and it was really, really hard. And then somehow I made it, and it took me, like, let's say, in one month. Like, one month was super, super intense for me, but I made it, so I stopped eating and sleeping because I didn't have time for that anymore. <laughs> but... At the end, it worked out. And yeah, and very successfully because in the end you you won the the first prize, right? Yes. Yeah. That's so nice. I was super super surprised about it because I did not expect that people would probably accept this so easily, but it somehow like remembered me why I wanted to study fashion. Fashion makes it easier to understand. Um, critical questions, political questions, society questions. It makes it easier to people to somehow accept it or just, you know, to somehow look at it differently without mm. um, judging it before. So, yeah, I was very, very happy that people were able to take on this topic, even though it's so hard and so painful and so ugly. And, and yet so beautiful, right? Yeah. And this is where I find I find it very um, interesting, actually, because you said in the beginning, yeah, I, I started studying politics and yes, it was not really for me, but um, yet you make very powerful statements with your fashion and then, yeah, also partly in, in, in politics. So I find that very, very interesting, actually, that you draw always like the connection to um, like raise awareness to a bigger topic than just like clothes. Yeah. Is this your your place in fashion that you say like I'm I I don't want to just make clothes but I want to say something with it I want to raise awareness for a topic I want to get some attention for people that maybe deserve uh, to get more attention is that something that you say like okay this is something that I want to invest into it in the future Yes definitely I would love to definitely I would love to continue to fashion to create my own brand that's That's like somehow like my own philosophy to make strong statements, to integrate all kinds of people, different tribes, culture groups, society groups, whatever it is. And that's like the philosophy like of my whole labeling of the also like for the person like I am. So 
I know it's a hard job because like you always have to work like personally on yourself like all the time. It's just not this piece you're creating. It's just like what you want to give this piece that if people buy it or take it or look at it, like what can they, what kind of feeling can they take with it? Mm. I do believe that if you take responsibility for your branding, for your clothing, for everything you try to create, you can change people's minds or open their eyes or maybe start a discussion, but maybe on a, on a softer way because all this um, prejudging and arguing or fear or not accepting, like all this misconceptions like of everything you can probably avoid it if you start like a softer way of communication and that's like and i do that like with fashion and yeah and i'm like i'm always happy when people tell me oh that's so beautiful when i read through the story i heard about it and it like it really really touched me it makes me like very very happy that people were able like to if i was able to open their eyes like i'm super super happy if uh they accept it or like if I light their day up, whatever it is, like it makes me super, super happy because I, I really, really worked so hard on it. So it's not like just fashion. It's just about the, I don't know, creating a softer conversation and envi environment, maybe a safer place. Um, and to talk, maybe to, to create like a safe place to talk in a different setting. I think yeah. that's maybe what it's about, right? Yeah. If you have like a debate, uh, like toe to toe with a person, or if you look at something and you have the chance to inform yourself in a different way, because um, maybe also a nice insight for you, but I did not know a lot about uh, Eritrea. And uh, when I prepared for our interview, I was watching videos and, and then I was like, wow, this story is actually, or like the history is very touching because they have been always like traded back and forth and, Uh, then they had their independence and they didn't and then they were occupied and so in the end with your um, collection you made me aware of, of a topic that I had no no idea of and I think that yeah that's maybe exactly what it should be right yeah oh that's all that makes me so happy thank you <laughs> <laughs> yeah. do you also think that um, the role of fashion in the society is changing or changed the the past couple of, of years because yeah if you look at um, yeah if you look at the resale market I, I find it so interesting because I think that our generation and the future generation have a much different focus on like what's valuable and or not yeah and I think that fashion is is becomes much bigger than than maybe anything else yeah yeah I believe that I think like fashion was always a big played always a big role in culture, society, um, in clothing, in people, mindset and behavior. It, it really, really has a big, 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 big impact. And I think it's one of the most, the uh, strongest political communication tool ever because like fashion reaches so many people. Whatever you sell, whatever is in kind of clothing. But it's, uh, I think it's, This year is super, super new that this mindset of like labels, like getting together and then have uh, making t-shirts to make aware or like a, maybe like some pieces about this Black Lives Matter. That's something like that's big and that's not happening in the US. That's happening like everywhere also like in Europe. And that's something what I think like that's a baby step. But on the other hand, that's a major step, like people wearing Black Lives Matter shirts. Mm. 
if you would have told that one year ago someone else, it would be like, oh, that's, a, you know, that's that's uh, that's a problem in the United States. Like, it should not bother us. But it's like, it's so much more behind it. So it's interesting how people, you know, really, really reacted or felt this pain. And then they were like, you know what, that's fucked up. Like, that's really, really fucked up. And they support this. And that's a big thing. So it's a clear statement as a fashion is a really, really clear statement, a strong statement. Mm. And it should not be like underestimated. And fashion is easier to take on by people than, you know, a politi any politician on TV. Like if we are like if we if you're like honest, like I do not watch any politician on TV who start talking. I'm like, oh my gosh. Something else like you don't get it like and it's so short-minded and it's so you know you have this person on tv 60 70 years old who want to tell you how the society works and you're like damn like you live in a different world like you don't know how this society actually is so but it's easier if someone like in fashion like like this black lives matter there's like not politician politic politicians started this all this debate or this demonstration like normal people started it they yeah. went streets, they screamed loud like that's something like this experience this video did so much with so many people and they not you know looking away anywhere they're like okay you know what we need to be aware of it because there is not rights for everyone everywhere and you can put that like for any group of people like wherever you go there are still people who are suppressed so it's mm. it's time like not to look away so just to be responsible for it and you, i think with fashion you can definitely um touch many 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 people and yeah and shape also like a mindset it's like it's a very very clear statement mm. you can clear statement with clothing and talking about maybe a little bit of future fashion, but also about your your future, um, what is next for you? Do you already have a next collection planned, or do you have already have have other plans? I'm actually thinking to create my own brand, hmm. maybe work on this collection more or a new one a little bit like step by step, and then. Yeah, figure out how how this will go. So I do have the dream, and I do want to create fashion. But I might first maybe because I have a visual art book of my um, last collection, mm. and that's like the first one of the first things I want to share or sell or to maybe introduce everything and then see how. See how it goes. Yeah. yeah. And, and <laughs> what's the name of your brand? I'm one. I'm one. That's uh, Naomi backwards, right? Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, it also has like a deep meaning, like I'm one for me. Like Naomi is like, like I was always like underestimated, like as an individual, and um, because I always wanted to fashion or something. Like I was always underestimated because um, people did not thought of that in my head it's like going like so much on or all this creative mess in my head like people would not imagine that I have or that I talk about this topic or something so 
for me, like when I start designing, like I turn into my Aimoan mood. I also call it like it's Aimoan mood now. So like during this time, there's like like a time where a time frame where people cannot talk to me anymore. <laughs> call me, make plans with me. It's like it's like a whole different mood. So I turn like I start like I pick up a topic. And then, like, I'm one, like, this person, like, thing inside of me who turns everything upside down and then find a way to put it together and is, like, super, super critical with everything. And uh... yeah, I find it quite interesting that you say I was always, like, underestimated. But when, when, when did you decide to, to say, like, well, it's now time to, to step, step up, to get into I'm one mood and uh, do my thing where, like... What what happened in you that you said like okay I don't want to be the underestimated one I want to be the the, the uh, one that puts stuff out there and put herself out there. Yeah, it's just it's funny. <laughs> I think my mom, but like I was like a really really shy kid. Like I didn't talk at all when I was a kid. I didn't talk. I was super super shy. But because I move, we were moving a lot, and you know, as a kid, you get like I think somehow like it can be a lot you know, at some days. And then I remember like my mom always told me, that was really funny. She always told me, you have to know who you are. Like inside of you, you should know who you are to survive somewhere else. So that's, she taught me that, but that was something that was going on like inside of me. So like when, like Naomi's like this, oh, maybe nice girl, crazy girl, whatever it is. But like, I don't know how people would, what would they say about me? And I honestly don't care. Because she always told me, you have to know who you are, then you will survive somewhere else. And that's like enough for life. So whatever people start saying about me or teachers or friends or whatever it is, it's like I honestly like never cared about it mm. because I somehow knew what I'm capable of. But it's like something, but this m mood, like when I started doing fashion design, I really got like a deeper understanding like for my self or the way I work or for my thinking process because like my thinking process is like super chaotic and super crazy in the beginning nothing makes sense when I start doing something like it's always the same like whenever I start something on my lecture like oh my you too crazy like you have to focus on one thing you cannot do this no Naomi like everyone like I'm like okay relax and I was like no 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 I'm gonna do this and then I and then it just happened and I just switch on and then Yeah, and then I make it work. So that was like my survival instinct move. But like, because my mom always told me like, if you know who you are, like inside of you, everything else doesn't matter anymore because you will survive like wherever you go. So it's just like, it was taught. <laughs> she told me, taught me that, but I did not know how it does impact, like, especially my fashion. So mm yeah <laughs> and did you also experience like a lot of negativity from from other people that they were still like oh look at look at naomi she tries to be like the wannabe fashion designer now or like a lot, a lot. like yeah a lot like many people like many people believe that i would probably not be able to finish this collection or yeah. be able to do my bachelor thesis like so many people thought that because i am chaotic i know that and i Do not, I do not follow any rules and I honestly don't care about many things <laughs> like what happens, but I know what is important for me and I know what I want to tell people with my fashion. So 
this is something where I focus on like really, really hard. And I'm super, super critical with myself. And I do not like, and I work really, really, really hard and put like so much work and emotions in it. Um, I think that's something what maybe differs me like from others. So I'm not, I'm not the type of person who would say, oh, you know, I take the easy road and I'm happy with that. Like never, I always work like harder, twice as hard, three times as hard. Because like when I started fashion, so I didn't have like any design um, experience before, like nothing. So I went to school, like I started politics when I came to this design school. So I was like this, this new girl, like I really, I didn't, I didn't knew how to draw. I didn't knew the fabric. I had like no clue. So I was this girl in there, older than everyone, and has to learn like really, really hard and somehow find a way to, uh, you know, uh, because I know like so many girls in my course, like all of them are super, super talented, but um, I had to find like my way and it was really, really hard. But um, I know I'm top. I'm I'm at the type of person who works like really really hard on herself, and never takes the easy road. So yeah, so I try to you know even if people tell me like oh you cannot do this, inside of me I knew I can do it, so I just do it. <laughs> yeah. and yeah. if uh, if someone would uh, ask you for for advice, like let's say uh, a starting uh, fashion designer, uh, what what advice would you give? You should, um, if you wanna, if you put in high, your heart in it, then you're gonna be happy and probably be like one of the best ones. Just do, uh, just look in, into yourself and then, you know, bring out everything what's in yourself and then go and find your own way without, you know, being influenced by everyone. So you should be open, like open for things people tell you because it's not always negative Your critics or a point of views like you have it's just like but if you know what you really want to do and if it comes from your heart and inside of you you're gonna you always gonna be survived like always so and mm. i see that it's a very very beautiful message yeah <laughs> okay hey i want to slowly also bring it home the podcast um i always have uh, three final questions that i ask uh, every every guest in the podcast oh cool um so there are three uh, quick questions yeah uh, so the first question is uh, what are you not very good at right now and you want to become better at drawing i can Drawing draw by hand like not at all <laughs> <laughs> okay Uh, next question. Um, which title would you give this chapter of your life? Um, this healing process. Healing process. Okay, nice. And the last question. Uh, if you could send an SMS to every mobile phone in this world, what would you say? Um, look at yourself because you are precious. Oh, <laughs> that's epic. <laughs> that's yeah. wonderful. Thanks. Yeah. Perfect. Uh, Naomi, thank you so much for, um, I think, a lot of insights, not not only about fashion, but um, about uh, creative processes, about uh, politics, about staying true to yourself, working hard. I think there are many, 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 many lessons in, in this podcast. So thank you a lot. And um, yeah, hopefully thank talk you to you soon. Me. It was really, really cool. My first podcast. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Thank you. bye.
Thank you again for listening to the 301 podcast. Another great episode has come to an end. To summarize, this episode was very hard for me. I thought a long time about it because we talked about so many different topics and there were so many different layers in this episode that you can apply to your personal life, to your business life, to almost everything. We talked about working hard, we, we talked about believing in yourself, but also to have the courage to go your own way and, and to chase your own dreams. But I do think that one sentence summarizes this episode quite well. And it's a sentence that Naomi's mother says to her all the time. She said, you have to know who you are and then you will survive somewhere else. And I think that this is a very beautiful thought to also implement into your own life. So with this, I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode. We are back next week with a new episode of the 301 podcast. Thank you again for listening. Yours truly, Marcus.